one last ride. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Because I'll be there to kick your ass if you ain't. You thought this was going to be a street fight? I don't have friends. I got family. You're goddamn right it is. Welcome, everybody, to Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast. It's May 23rd. The Dallas Stars are in the finals at the NHL, and summer movie blockbusters are here for the season, including Fast 10. So today's episode is going to talk about a man born on July 18th, 1967. That man is known as Mark Sinclair. Wait, who's Mark Sinclair? You know him as Vin Diesel. We're going to be talking about Vin Diesel movies, and we're just not going to talk about one. The three of us, Dan Moran, Preston Barta, and me, Brian Kluger, have picked a Vin Diesel movie for Fear and Loathing in Cinema each, and we are going to bring you a triple threat match in a steel cage to tell you why these movies that Vin Diesel said yes to are amazing or not so amazing. So first, Dan Moran, how are you, sir? I am doing great. I'm living my life a quarter mile at a time in honor of Vin Diesel Day, which I celebrate every year with my family, and I'm glad that we could bring it to the podcast. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And Preston Barta, the man, the myth, the legend, Vin Diesel, what's up? Doing well. I got my... My original Vin Diesel toy right here, because if you don't remember, he started with doing commercials for Street Sharks. So I got my, I got Jab here with his Jack Armor, Jack Hammer arms, ready to punch and do some major damage. <laughs> I don't have anything Vin Diesel around you, me. You got some dance moves. He 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 did like those that's little hip hop videos. Yeah, that's true. I got some dance, some sweet dance moves. You ready to bust a move? Yes. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about Vin Diesel movies. We've each picked a Vin Diesel movie. You know, it's the summer of Vin Diesel right now. I mean, you have Guardians of the Galaxy three out in theaters right now. You have Fast Ten out in theaters right now. The, the man knows no bounds, uh, and he's been around a while. Some would say, I mean, if you look at it, Vin Diesel's movies have made the most money at the box office. And then to add to that, a lot of people say he's the worst actor ever, but his movies make a billion dollars. What's that to say? Is it the charm? Is it the muscles? I don't know. We're going to find out. So let's start... 
Yeah, let, let's let's start. We're, we we all have three different movies, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about them, and we want to surprise you with which movie. So, as you're listening to this podcast on Fear and Loathing in Cinema, think back to all the Vin Diesel movies, and trust me, this is Fear and Loathing. So we're taking movies that were not really great at the time. So we're not going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. We're not going to be talking about Boiler Room. We're not going to be talking about the Iron Giant. We're going deep, deep, deep into Vin Diesel's category uh, to pick a movie and we're going to discuss them. Uh, Meaning that, you know, this is a triple threat episode. We're very excited. So let's start with Dan. Dan, what movie did you pick to Vin Diesel it uh, for Fear and Loathing? I picked... The oft-forgot classic and forgotten classic, if you will, to Pitch Black, the sequel, Chronicles of Riddick, a 2004 <laughs> banger of a movie. Um, if you don't know, lovely listeners, about Chronicles of Riddick, Riddick is a character who has his eyes bleached or something and can see in the dark in Pitch Black, and it's a pretty good, Pitch Black's a pretty fun sci-fi nothing movie. Um, it's not super memorable. It didn't make a bunch of money, uh, but it's fun. It's fun. Um, I know a lot of people enjoy it, but really no huge impact. Well, Vin Diesel, I think, got the rights to the character, and it was successful enough that he was trying to create his own superhero sci-fi Star Wars level, Dune level character of like savior of space because Chronicles of Riddick takes Pitch Black, which was escape from essentially a prison planet while being chased by monsters, and turns it into a universe-spanning existential Nazi mystical kind of threat that's taking over the entire world and a bunch of other planets. And it turns out that Vin Diesel is one of the only race of people known as Furians, who the leader of the bad guys has heard a prophecy that he will be killed by a child. And Vin Diesel was the last child Furian ever, as he's told by Judy Dench. <laughs> so that just lets you know where this movie's going. And um, it's got Carl Urban, Thandi Newton, um, Colm Fior, I always forget how to pronounce his name, who just is such a creepy looking guy as the main bad guy in this one. And it's a, it's, Guys, I hate to tell you, I went into it being like, oh, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't remember being a huge fan. I walked away saying, man, this was a really interesting story if they had anyone with any um, ability behind the wheel steering it. Well, so it was directed. It was written by David Toey, who he wrote Critters 2. He wrote Warlock. His directorial debut was Timescape. Um, which was interesting, but then he went on to do, um, he wrote the fugitive terminal philosophy. He wrote water world, but then he directed the arrival. He did, did direct pitch black, you know, um, he, but his, his baby is this chronicles of Riddick character. And it's interesting to see like. The, he, he's talented. David Toey or Tui. I don't know how to really pronounce oh, it. I fully agree. They are that he's talented and the special effects look good. There's some uniqueness to the way. Um, so, oh, what are they? The elementals, 
there's some sort of elemental guys on helium prime. <laughs> I always forget the name. <laughs> oh, necromongers, the necromongers who are the bad guys. They're just like, it's like a cult where you get like, and you kind of turn robotish. And so it's a bunch of just guys with big mass. They fight pretty cool and they have really foreboding armor. And their leader has um, like ghost element things because he can appear one place and move another, almost like a hologram. Very much, to be honest with you, like Dune, um, which is clearly what they're going for here because everyone seems to, for the most part, fight with hand knives, um, much like Dune. So I know that they're ripping a lot off on this one as, you know, here's the savior to take over from the empire that's destroying the entire galaxy. And I see all the parallels there, but um, man, they just bit off more than they can chew in this one. There is so much that happens in this movie. And if you didn't see Pitch Black, which I forgot to watch Pitch Black before I watched this, I forgot about there was a boy in Pitch Black who he rescued, which at the very end he realized was a girl. She shows up on a prison planet and is part of this plot. Um, Another gentleman, the Imam, who he rescues in Pitch Black, shows up and kind of like puts him on this path here to kind of rise up against the necromongers and makes things personal because you know riddick is like oh i'm gonna escape this planet but a necromonger kills his friend the imam so he goes out of his way to like approach an entire army just to kill the one guy who killed his friend it's so so do you remember seeing this in the theater yes i do remember seeing in the theater because this was the first um summer where i worked at the movie theater so i started in April of 2004, working at the movie theater, and I was so excited that I could see free movies that I remember I saw, um, what's the Hugh Jackman movie where he, him and Kate Beckinsale fight the Universal Monsters? Van Helsing. Yeah. I remember that I saw Van Helsing like four times in the theater because I was like, I can see free movies now. And this one came out in June. So it was April, May, June, and I would see everything because I was in that early love phase of being like i can just see watch the movies as many times as i want no one can tell me no so i definitely saw this opening weekend i probably saw it two more times just because i could walk into a movie theater and uh watch it so i definitely saw it a lot and do you remember like did you like it back then or do you not like it back then something like that to be honest i racked my brain last night about it and i do not remember a single thing about it not even the teacup scene the and I remember having the DVD too. Like I own this movie somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I own the director's cut of this movie, which I learned was 16 minutes longer. I don't know what the hell they could have added in <laughs> to make this movie longer. Uh, but man, I think I think it was fun. I know you guys didn't get a chance to watch it, but there's some moments that are very, very fun in this movie. And spoiler alert to everyone on this one um the very end the whole thing is whoever kills the lord marshal the head of the necromongers whoever kills him immediately takes his mantle and these necromongers are so brainwashed that whoever kills the leader the next leader they just immediately bow down and are like you are in charge you own this entire army that's taken over the galaxy and so the whole movie is Carl Urban, who's one of the ne- uh, the Lord Marshal's like second in command. He's like trying to figure out a way to poison and kill the Lord Commander. 
And at the very end of the movie, of course, Vin Diesel manages to stab him before um, his name is Vaco. Carl Urban's character's name is Vaco. <laughs> Kills him before uh, Vaco can. And then it's a really cool scene because Vin Diesel or Riddick is tired and just like sits down and he happens to sit in the throne and all of the army just gets down on one knee to like worship him and show deference to their leader. And then it just goes directed by David Toohey. And I was like, man, what a great ending. Look at all the possibilities we have opened up for future sequels. And they did not deliver on any of that. Well, so do you think from Pitch Black to Chronicles of Riddick, do you think Pitch Black was more grounded and then Chronicles of Riddick, they just tried to throw everything in and that maybe what made it not so great? Or what do you think? Yes, Pitch Black was just kind of a monster escape movie. It could have been that same plot of Pitch Black could have taken place with us three in like a park. Do you know what I mean? Like we're trapped in a park. We can't get out of it. And there's monsters. We need to escape. That's all it was. Stuck on a planet. Got to escape. He has cool vision or whatnot. But the biggest thing that lets you know that Chronicles of Riddick bit off more than it can chew is that the movie Riddick came out like five or six years ago, I'm pretty sure. And they went back to Riddick's on a planet and he's going to escape off the planet and there's monsters and things chasing him on the planet. They abandoned the entire fury and savior leader of the necromongers plot in the first five minutes of riddick because it's definitely all on netflix and i definitely watched the first like half hour of riddick to see how they because i i forgot about riddick i was like at the end of chronicles i was like oh man how'd they open up riddick because he's the leader of the necromongers now (laughs) and the opening scenes of riddick is him going to a planet with his uh necromonger people and they uh to look for some beacon of someone and all of a sudden, they all just betray him. And then they're like, that plot is over. <laughs> that, on a planet again. So this movie cost around $100, million, $120 million to make. And it made about $120 million. I don't yeah. know. I mean, technically, I guess that would be not a big box office success. But why do you yeah. think people hated this so much? Because it was a complete mess of trying to jam too much stuff in it. I think people were like, Pitch Black, man, that was fun, escaping a prison planet with monsters. And then they get to this one, it's philosophical galaxy, empire, backdoor politics, treason. Like, it's a completely different thing. And to be honest with you, it has a few fun fight scenes like I talked about, but the plot is not fun. The plot is not fun. It's not an exciting movie. (laughs) <laughs> attack yes. of the clothes yes it's it's all politics it's all backdoor deals and who's going to be the leader and who's going to ascend to the throne which sounds really fun does if it you, hang on if we weren't essentially dealing with Groot with eye goggles on because he doesn't <laughs> say much just like he's like you kill my friend <laughs> like that's <laughs> That's that's all it is. So it's not it's not worth it. So when you say there's so much going on, you could arguably say that in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and in Fast 10, tons of shit's going on. What makes those better like story-wise than uh, Chronicles of Riddick? Well, one has it well, let's just one has a talking cartoon. <laughs> 
raccoon and he just says one word so that's really nice for everyone um and it's a beloved series in the hands of someone who knows what they want to do with a singular vision so that's guardians like put that to the side a little more humor all that sort of stuff and as far as fast 10 goes um there is so much going on in that movie there's so many pieces the cast of a-listers has to be approaching 15 or 16 people who are in that movie and they all need to get screen time where you can't even pause to enjoy it because it's moving so fast. It's almost like a sugar rush. Whereas this movie sits down and wants to or pretends they want you to care about here's the history of the Necromongers and here's Judy Dench with exposition about the formation of the galaxy from the elementals and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't give a shit. I just want to see him take off when it gets really dark, he pulls his goggles up and then he can see in the dark. That's all I want to see. Just pull your goggles up, tell everyone, wait right here, I'll be right back. And then go kill everyone and save them on the planet. That's all I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) So watching it again, do you have a better love for it or do you still feel ill towards it? And can you recommend it? Oh, man. I can recommend it if you are want to know what a poor man's dune looks like and if you're on netflix and you're getting the recommendations to watch like pitch black chronicles of riddick and riddick um right now the whole trilogy is on netflix it's really accessible and easy if you're folding laundry it's so easy to have on or if you're doing (laughs) something else if you're scrolling your phone but if you're expecting to get blown away or pulled into the world of Riddick, um, I feel like you're going to be very disappointed. So, no, this is, I think this is one of the first movies I cannot recommend people seek out um, unless they're very, very bored. It's I would I would rather people go and watch Pitch Black or the third movie, which is just called Riddick, um, which are both vastly superior. Pitch Black is a fun monster movie. Riddick's the same thing, except in Riddick, he gets a dog, much like John Wick. Oh, there you go. That's why I was waiting for it. (laughs) Oh, it felt good, guys. It felt good. (laughs) Preston, anything to add to Chronicles of Riddick? I I have a question. So I watched Pitch Black a couple years ago because Arrow Video did this nice release of it. And I loved all those movies, especially Chronicles of Riddick and Pitch Black when I was much younger when it came out. Um, just because same reason why I've been explaining a lot of the movies or talking about the other movies that we discussed on this podcast about, oh, it just felt like I shouldn't be watching this. And that that was the draw. That, that was it. Um, but they're kind of terrible nowadays. But uh, watching Pitch Black... I, th- I agree with you that it's a very, by comparison, it's a more grounded story or it's just a more interesting story that kind of sticks the landing a little bit better. But mm-hmm. the movie's like heavily stylized, annoyingly so. So what is the style like in Chronicles of Riddick? I know it's like not quite, I don't remember it being quite as like different color filters and things like that, but do you think that stylistically Chronicles of Riddick is better or do you still kind of get down with pitch black? No, I think that the the set designs and the ship designs and the whole aesthetic of Chronicles of Riddick is cool. Um, the bad guys and their armor, the way the film is shot is not like the way pitch black is shot. This is shot much more like an epic. I don't know if it was on the heels of 
Lord of the Rings trilogy and things like that, but things on a massive scale um, to show like the Empire army and the Necromongers and that sort of thing. And the combat in the movie has always been weird because it's kind of fast and the guy who he's fighting most of the time can kind of like disappear and reappear. But stylistically, I, I really thought that the sets looked cool. They looked physical. This was before the, you know, the volume or um, giant green screens. And obviously it's in space. So there's plenty of times where there's green screens, but like the throne room or where Tandy Newton and Carl Urban are having their political back dealings. Like you can tell that's a crafted wall and that's, but the whole, the lighting of the whole movie, I mean, not to sound like the corniest Gene Shalit ever, but it's really dark. Like the movie is dark. It's, it's not pitch black, but it's dark aesthetic. There are not many bright colors at all in the entire movie. So yeah. it, it stuck it stuck with that part of the design, but it looked good. For 2004, it looked very, very good. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. And just, you know, before we move on to the next one, I want everyone to know that Vin Diesel has promised on his Facebook page four times, and most recently in 2022... He is storyboarding Riddick 4 colon Furia, which is right. the race that he is. And I can only assume that uh, that's their home planet. So after giving up on this whole, he's the savior of the universe with the third movie and going back to prison planet escape monster stuff. It sounds like the fourth one's going back to galaxy expanded. <laughs> so All right. We'll see. And Man, where? Just, oh, go ahead. Go ahead Brian. No, no, no. I, I was going to ask to rank the Riddick movies right now from Pitch best Black. to worst. Yeah. Pitch Black, Riddick, Chronicles of Riddick. Okay. Some, somehow I picked the worst one. Because <laughs> <laughs> if we were talking about Riddick, I would have been like, and it's awesome because he like teaches his dog how to like survive poison because there's these poison animals that stab everyone. So he like, holds his dog down and gives it slow little bits of poison so they can get past the bad creatures. And it's just, it's so much cooler. <laughs> mm. All right. Chronicles of Riddick. It is out. It is. You could buy it. You could rent it. It's out there. Don't buy it. So don't buy it. Is it a, it's a rental. It's a, it's a laundry folded movie. Netflix it. Netflix it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. That, that Chronicles of Riddick right there. Dan Moran. Uh, we're going to move on to Preston Barta. I'm sure he picked a great Vin Diesel movie. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what he has to say. I know what it is, but you all don't listening what he put in. Like, think about it. Go deep in. And you're like, what, what movies is he going to pick? Preston, what Vin Diesel movie did you pick? A really deep thinking one. Uh, one that, or... Maybe it's one that's so soothing, like it's like putting a pacifier in your mouth, you know? It just like really... <laughs> I, so uh, my pick, obviously, is uh, came out immediately after The Chronicles of Riddick. So this is his follow-up, uh, The Pacifier, 2005, directed by Adam Shankman, who you perhaps know from TV shows like Glee. Uh, he's... A producer of the Step Up movies, he did what is it, Bringing Down the House, Hairspray, big musical guy. Um, so he kind of brings that like fun energy to his projects, no matter what it is, whether you like it or not. Um, 
So I, the reason why I picked this one, and there were some ones where I wanted to go back and revisit Triple X, and that movie's rotten, but that movie still holds up in my mind. Like it's an awesome movie and just like a thrilling movie. And so I wanted to do something that was a little more kid appropriate, just because I'm really curious about. It's been a long time since I've seen this. I think I've seen it one time in the theater. And at the time, it, I just kind of ignored it. It wasn't my uh, uh, Chronicles of Riddick joke here, cup, cup of tea. And so um, I wanted to revisit now as a dad and try to, because I have a, I'm pretty forgiving of family friendly movies like this, where they kind of have like that, uh, that certain, I don't know, stank on it, where it's, it's like, what was that movie like sea spot run or Alexander terrible, no good, bad, very bad day. Uh, Lyle, Lyle crocodile where they're just, it's, it wears its heart on its sleeve. You know, where things are going to go, you know, that everything's going to be all happy and everything and the kids are going to be changed and that sort of thing. So you kind of have those expectations going into it and that's what it is. But At the end of the day, hey, man, it's delivering good feels, and I'm all about that uh, these days. So the pacifier offers that. Could have been more funny, but still a pretty solid family movie. So the movie is about Vin, Di Vin Diesel plays this Navy SEALs dude who is just like very much like his triple X kind of character. Like he... and get things done. He's Ethan Hunt. He'll go in there. He'll do the dirty work. He'll make sure that the mission is accomplished. So the movie opens with him and his SEAL team trying to rescue this scientist who developed this program or something. Like as a kid you're, or whoever, when you're watching, you're like, who cares? Like he's after something he's trying to get. So, okay, that's fine. And so it, It's him and his SEAL team, and they're, like, diving in the water, and they're chasing boats. They're so fast that they can keep up with the boats by in scuba diving equipment. So you, it's just it's just ridiculous. They're, they're shooting helicopters down and all kinds of stuff. And so you already know what the tone in the movie is going to be. And it's just, a, okay, there's some solid action sequences in here in, in a kind of, like, hallmarky kind of way. But, sure. And then they capture, they, they're, they're able to rescue the father who is the scientist. This father has like five kids back at home and a wife. And so the family just wants to be reunited with their, with their father, the husband, and that's, that's his mission. So they rescue him and then things go south and the dad is killed within the first 10, five, 10 minutes of the movie. And then, After that, he uh, Vin Diesel's character is ordered to be the babysitter, just like the nanny, just like the, I mean, you know, this kind of thing. It's like kindergarten cop following the Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of thing, where it's like the, you got the macho type of guy go, being like Mr. Mom here. And um, that's, that's pretty much the story. They, he, he, of course, is very militant. He's like trying to keep these kids in order and the kids are kind of challenging him. Like they're a bunch of Kevin McAllister's like doing these type of like home alone type of traps or trying to set them up to fail and walk away. 
Uh, go ahead, Brian. It, I mean, it seems like this movie, they watched Suburban Commando. They watched Kindergarten yeah. Cop. And it was like, you know, an almost an odd couple of like, oh, the little kids are going to turn this brute man who kills everything into yep. a loving human being. Is that what we get? Pretty much like it, it, it works both ways in, in, in the way that uh, the kids who are like you, you get the moody teenager, you get the boyfriend crazy teenager, and then you have a baby that poops and then you got a toddler who farts and uh, causes mayhem. And and then you have a wacky uh, baby, another babysitter um pay, played by carol kane who is a russian who, odd choice but she's like this russian lady and um so while he while vin diesel's character is like babysitting these kids making sure that they're okay while their mom goes overseas to this swiss bank to try to get into his uh bank his bank vault and uh his safety deposit box which has like the key or something for them to get this program that everybody's after. That's what the bad guys are after. That's why they kidnapped him. And so the, the government or the CIA or whatever, they're trying to get it to protect it and make sure that these secrets or the uh, whatever program it is and whatever it does, uh, doesn't get into the wrong hands. And uh, so while he's babysitting, he's trying to find out information around the house to see if he can find what is called the uh, ghost. So there's all kinds of fun stuff that happens. Like uh, he finds like a, a disc that has ghost written on it. And when he pops it into the player, it happens to be Ghost the Movie with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> so um, I will say this movie is written by uh, Lieutenant... Uh, 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 what's his name from Reno 911? Uh, oh, um, good God. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Lennon. Yeah. So Thomas it's written Lennon. by him and one of uh, his co-writers that works on uh, Reno 911. So uh, I had higher expectation knowing that going in, uh, having been uh, quite almost 20 years since I've seen it, um, that it was going to be really funny. And it's not quite as funny. It has its moments, but knowing that they were the writers it just seems like maybe adam shankman or maybe the studio kind of like watered down probably some of the comedy uh as to like what it could be because there's a lot of potential there and i think that tends to be with a lot of adam shankman's movies especially his earlier films is that they have really good like plots or premises but they don't quite uh, stick the landing as much um but Overall, I think it's a totally harmless film. There's even a really good dramatic sequence between Vin Diesel and Brittany Snow, who plays that uh, boyfriend crazy teenager that I was talking about. So the movie knows to every once in a while when to pump the brakes and just try to have like a real moment instead of doing like all this wacky family friendly hijinks. There's a scene where because the dad dies I was just like, kind of like, okay, it's been two months since he's passed. They got to be dealing with some stuff that you can't just have uh, a dad, family of five and seem to be a very loving dad. And then they're all so like happy, like, welcome to our house. Or at least that's what the wife is like. Um, it, it just, 
you have to deal with some real stuff here and there. And so the movie does take pause in a moment. That's a really good moment. It actually kind of shows like the side of Vin Diesel that I would like to see more of, uh, like the role that he does following uh, this movie, which was find me guilty. Like he, he's, he's capable of doing really good dramatic sequences. If he really wanted to, he, there's more to him than just being like this gravelly voice guy, like who does really good grunt work. Like when you're watching him do stunts and stuff and things like that, you, you can't help but think of guardians and like him being in the recording booth and being like, ah, uh, uh, uh. And you like hear that when you're watching this, but there are some moments of like real acting, such as this sequence where Britney Snow's get is crying, she's very sad. And then he has a moment where he says, like, you know, I grew up in a military family, like uh Navy SEALs and things like that. And my dad cared more about being a Navy SEAL than he did being a dad, and he died in combat. And for me to think about him may made me feel like I wasn't being brave. Like I needed to be stronger to not think of him, but I'll just tell you knowing your dad for that little bit that I knew him, like it's okay to miss your dad. And I was like, Holy shit. That's a really good moment. Um, they do like milk that line a little bit. He says like when it's a good line and everything, and it's a good scene. He like says the exact same thing again. He says like, it's okay to miss your dad. And I was like, okay, well you already said it. You're kind of ruining a dramatic moment, but all that to say, like, <laughs> I really think he's capable of doing good things. If, um, if he had the right material and he wasn't so stuck in this things that we've heard off screen, especially with all the stuff going on with Dwayne Johnson, like they, they, they have like this ridiculous, ridiculous list of things that they, the way that they have to be presented on screen, like they have to be the strongest or they have to be like, can't show any sign of weakness. I don't know if that was technically on his agenda in 2005. It probably built up over time when he was doing the fast movies, but um, I feel like at this time, it would have been really interesting to see him just really dive into something uh, and work with a director that was willing to challenge him until he be got this producer's mentality and he was more in creative control of his projects because I really think he could have done some some interesting stuff. Do you think that The Pacifier was his introduction into family? that he injected into Fast and Furious movies? Well, it seemed like it was already there with uh, the first Fast and Furious movie with them having their Coronas and holding hands type of thing. <laughs> it probably definitely was another uh, line of coke for him to dive into that direction <laughs> even further and make that the complete focus of his career. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to see him do some more family friendly stuff. I think, uh, outside of like guardians and iron, Jack, like I want him to do more stuff. More like stuff. This. I, so, yeah. So Lauren Graham Gilmore girls yeah. is part of the, the Vin Diesel lore, right? Yeah. She plays the principal of the school that the kids go to. And she was a former Navy SEAL person herself, or she was in the Navy. And so they connect and they, uh, you know, uh, flash, uh, in, not flash, but they, they, they blow kisses at each other, that sort of thing. Like there's, there's like a romantic draw with them. Um, and so, yeah, she, she was fine. Uh, not, not like a huge part 
for her, but there's at least a moment where she gets to uh, fight somebody and she says a line like, uh, it can't just be you. Like you can't just, you can't have all the good stuff or something like that. And I was like, okay, that's fun. And this movie, because it comes out, it came out in 2005. It has like a really rocking mid 2000s soundtrack with like, smash mouth like the lead singer of smash mouth has a song like the i'm your average ordinary uh superhero song and they have a good charlotte song in there and so it's fun like seeing him like set up the perimeter of the house like putting all these booby traps and uh, this security system in place like that's the fun of it like seeing him just be completely ridiculous and like these kids just being like ah it's like watching the movie first kid in the 90s with like how the kid is just completely frustrated and then you get sinbad like just trying to do his job uh, but he eventually connects with the kids. So you've seen this kind of plot before, like I said, but uh, it's still fun. I, I think uh, that it's enjoyable. Like seeing like girls, uh, the a young girl and a part of a, a, girl, a girl Scout troop, like being in front of a Costco, like beating up Boy Scouts while they're playing like some rockin' song uh, is just, it's enjoyable. Like there, there's no, there's not a lot of logic here. Like things just kind of happen. There's a security system type of thing that happens toward the end with, uh, like an Indiana Jones, uh, type of thing where they walk through, they have to like go to the left, step on this thing. Don't step on that one because you'll fall or you'll die. And I'm like, how the hell did they, the family not know that they put the dad put in this hugely elaborate security system, in their house and they have to do like this little kid dance. And that's the reason that's the way that he's able to kind of get through. Like the, the kids have this song that they do together and he has to do like the ridiculous song to be able to get through this uh, maze or obstacle to unlock the vault. Well, it's interesting with all of these things you're describing, this movie cost about $55 million to make, and it made $200 million. This is a box office success, money-wise. But why do you think, is this a product of releasing at the wrong time in the wrong kind of culture? Like, if this was released today or in the early 90s, would it have done better critically or people would have liked it more? Because it did well financially. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just because there, there's that familiarity or like, you know what to expect out of this, but, uh, or maybe just people, critics just don't know that, uh, it's okay that movies can just be harmless. Like there's a movie I saw a couple of years ago. Uh, it, I think it had Rose Byrne in it and it had to deal with adoption. Oh yeah. With Mark Wahlberg. I watched it. Yeah. Like it was a yeah. solid movie. I was like, Hey, that's actually pretty good. Like you, you, you can sense the over, you know, the sentimentality and like, like I mentioned earlier, like the hallmarkiness of it, but Hey, it's still, it, you know, Seth has goals in mind, achieves those goals, makes you feel good. If you're able to just buy into it and not wear a critic's hat. I, I think maybe just people were being a little too hard on it. Um, but I do admit that it, it could have been funnier. I think that there was a lot of potential for that. But for what it is, it's a completely harmless family friendly movie. Okay. Um, it's uh, I, something about the past parks. I remember watching it and I, I like those movies like Triple H did one. And then even so, 
the his co-star in Fast and Furious, The Rock did a similar movie, right? It was like the Tooth Fairy or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so it, it, it's a it's a pattern to have like, all right, who's the next like big dude? Like John Cena's next. Like he's gonna do his own like family friendly movie like this. It, it's just. It, I feel like he already did. <laughs> did he? Did he oh, do yeah. the, the the firefighter one? Yeah, I feel like he did something else that was a little more kid friendly. But I'm trying to re- I'm trying to remember that. But yeah, there are there. Are, it, Vin Diesel. This is like so out of the norm for him. But it seems like he had a good time doing this. And and, and I mean, it's Walt Disney. You know, he's he's in a Disney movie. He's he's building street cred, as you will here. Um, and just like Dan Moran said with Chronicles of Riddick, um, Vin Diesel about this movie, The Pacifier, has said, has officially stated, there's a sequel being written to The Pacifier. <laughs> That's, I mean, I hope it does well, but I don't think it's going to be the success of what this one was. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, 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 I'm willing to be wrong. Kids movies are very successful in theaters but i don't know if vin diesel headlining a sequel to a 2005 movie (laughs) is gonna is gonna draw the butts in the seats but listen the guys figure out how to do franchises that's pretty much all he does now and if he did like a straight to peacock movie like this then it would be fine and with with all of these kids movies that are out similar to like to this, like cheaper by the dozen and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, stuff that's coming out on Netflix or Hulu geared towards kids. Where does this fall in that realm? How does this one stand out? Is it just the Vin Diesel aspect of like, oh, my God, Fast and Furious guy made a kids movie for Disney? Probably that um, I, I I at least when I think back on it, I actually like cheaper by the dozen more just because it had. Like Ashton Kutcher and it had you know Steve Martin and and it had more hijinks. So Adam Shankman, I think he did that movie too. I think he directed the second one, but produced the first one. Um, so still, still his formula, still his thing. And so uh, I, I would say that this is probably like the 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 lesser of of those kinds of films, but. Um, still solid for what it is and i think the appeal is that yeah it's vin diesel like hey it's the guy from fast and furious or triple x and we i want to see him do something that's a little more lighthearted, um that's that's akin to him doing the robot and iron giant but um not a lot i guess not a lot of people really know that he did that um right and with with Vin Diesel, we know Vin Diesel to be one of the worst actors to ever grace the screen, mostly. Um, with this, the pacifier, which is kind of so different for him, how's his comedy chops in this? Like, I want to hear it from you. I want to because I have my own opinions, but like this movie is a comedy. You can argue that you know the Fast and Furious movies are comedy movies, but they're not meant to be. At least that's what Vin Diesel does yeah. not want those to be, but it comes across in a different way of funny, but this is straight. Like this is a Disney comedy movie make, to make you laugh. How is he? I think he's, uh, he's really good at comedy when it's subtle and it, it could be like, uh, like you smile, like you just smile. I don't know if you like laugh out loud or anything like that, but like I was talking about with the Girl Scout uh, fight, 
Like he was like helping uh, the young girl because like earlier there's a scene where the Girl Scouts are being taunted or teased by the Boy Scouts. Like this is our turf and they're like poking them and everything. And then like uh, Vin Diesel's character, uh, who I didn't even say his name, Shane Wolf. That's a good, that's a good name. Shane Wolf is a good name. Shane Wolf. So um, he like gives the girl like, words of encouragement and like shows her some moves and so like he's inside costco with the baby so like seeing him do like the whole baby thing where he has like the the whole harness and everything just uh -huh. seeing him like take care of the baby uh was kind of fun and funny like him dealing with the diapers and all that and like there's a scene uh i mean i promise i'll get back to the girl scout thing um he he's like changing the diaper for the first time and he's using like tongs and everything and he's like, oh, and you just hear his grunts and everything. And he takes the baby to the toilet and like dips him in the toilet to kind of like clean his bottom. Um, so all that stuff was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, uh, with the Girl Scout fight, when they're fighting the second time and the Girl Scouts are actually like kicking the boys asses. Um, he's inside Costco and he's like sees the security cam footage uh, because that's easy to see to the public in there, I guess. Um, so he sees like the girls fighting. And so he's like, oh, no, this is getting out of hand. He goes out there and then he sees like the girl like saying a line that he says or uh, um, some move. And he's like has a smile on his face. And so it's like that kind of thing. It's um uh, it's not, like I said, it's not laugh out loud funny, but it's enough to be like, yeah, I, you know, I enjoy it. Like you're charming. And so, yeah, that, that's all there is to it. I, I can't remember anything that was like super, super funny. Uh, the only thing that's kind of funny is that he, he has an ongoing line where he says it's uh, my way, no highway option. And I was like, hey, fast and furious. Um, so that, that's about it. Okay. So do you recommend this at all? Yeah, I recommend it to uh, families that uh, enjoy this kind of kind of thing. Maybe they haven't seen this. And so if you're looking for something that you can just throw on, don't have to worry about like, oh, no, they said that or they did this. I don't want my kids to see that when we seem a little more overprotective these days, um, uh, justifiably so. Um so I, I think if you're in, you're searching for a solid family-friendly film, uh, that that this is this is this will do the trick. This is fine. This this is good. Dan pacifier. Last words. Last words. Only thing I remember from it is there's an annoying kids song and dance the entire movie, and then it turns out that the father created that whole elaborate. Yes, that's what I was talking it. about. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was listening um, to get into the thing. That's the only thing I remember about the movie. I haven't had a chance to rewatch it, but I'll bet my kids would like it. So it might it might go into the rotation. Is it on Disney Plus? It is on Disney Plus. Yes. So it That's might go I into the rotation um, and let the kids watch it one day and see and see if they enjoy it. I will say I, you just remind me of something. Um, there's so the the older teen boy that's in it. He wears like a hat the entire time. And you're like, what is this deal? Like, what is he sneaking off to? Because um, he like sneaks out of the house or he's up to something. You're like, what is this deal? And so uh, you find out what his deal is. And uh, the way that they set that up is like really like, whoa, okay. I didn't know they were going to go in that direction. Um, so he gets busted at school 
because they find a uh, Nazi flag, like a Nazi symbol uh, in, in his locker. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, And he has a blonde, uh, he has a bleach blonde hair. And you're like, what? Oh my God! Like, what are they doing here? And then, and then uh, Vin Diesel like follows him on his bicycle one day, and he's, and then he sees him surrounded by other kids that look like neo Nazis. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what are we doing here? And then uh, he follows them inside, and they're doing like a Sound of Music production. And so he's a, <laughs> so like that. That was kind of like, oh, okay, all right, climb relaxed, every right? mountain, climb every mountain. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny i guess that's the best way to find out your son's a nazi he's just playing one <laughs> yeah yeah and he's dropping like the whole van tramp family uh that, that's his thing like he's singing but he like has a problem like when he's dancing with them like he keeps dropping them um so and then vin diesel ends up running the production yeah because yeah because you have like a, a waiting for guffman type of director in there and he's like <laughs> doesn't have the patience to deal with it anymore. So Vin Diesel ends up t seeing him take over the activities. That's what's the greatest joy of this. Like seeing him be the, like almost like the Girl Scout troop leader and the the director of this uh, uh, product, uh, Sound of Music production, um, the driving teacher for Britney Snow's character. So all that stuff, uh, seeing him like really take Mr. Mom to the nth degree is uh what makes it enjoyable good 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 the pacifier oh this is my probably goodness. the most that somebody's ever talked about the pacifier you're welcome <laughs> folks you're welcome here on fear and loathing in cinema only <laughs> the pacifier uh well i guess that leaves me right that leaves me ready? absolutely i'm ready uh so that's for last the best for last. Oh my God. The Chronicles of Riddick, the pacifier. And then I had to choose one. What did I pick? I picked one that didn't come out less than 10 years ago. Uh, one in uh, 2015 that came out in you know, the Halloween era of 2015. And uh, that movie is called The Last Witch Hunter. What? Do you remember The Last Witch Hunter? Do you even remember this movie? I remember because unlike almost any movie we talk about on this show, we were all too young to be in our professions at the moment. Like, uh, But I strictly remember being a member of the press reviewing this movie when it came out. Uh, the Last Witch Hunter, directed by Breck Eisner. And yes, that is all the relations to the Disney CEO, Michael Eisner. Uh, this kind of seems like a, a uh, you know, here's my son. He needs to be in Hollywood <laughs> type of thing. And I'm going to tell you, Breck Eisner, this is something we have to do on the podcast. Um, Breck Eisner started doing amazing Super Bowl commercials. But then in 2005, Breck Eisner did Sahara. The movie Sahara with Matthew McConaughey. Breck Eisner directed Sahara with Matthew McConaughey, which people say is the worst box office flop ever. And I disagree because it kind of made its money back, kind of. Um, but people talk about that. But he directed that. But then he went and did the remake of The Crazies, which is actually a really good movie. Yeah. Um, and then Wait, he went on. He did The Crazies, the one with Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant, yeah. 
that's a good movie. Yeah, it's a great yeah. movie. Wow. And then five years later, he did The Last Witch Hunter, and he has not directed anything since. Um, minus, minus, he did an ep- uh, a season or two directing The Expanse with Thomas Jane. That's kind of what he's been doing. But when you have a Disney CEO father and Michael Eisner, what else do you need to do, really? But The Last Witch Hunter is basically, so it's been told, it's been talked about that Vin Diesel is very big into Dungeons and Dragons, into D&D. And so basically, I think what happened is that the writers here, um, Matt Sazma and uh, Burke Sharpless, who write together, they they wrote, it's Morbin time, Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote Gods of Egypt and they wrote the remake of Power Rangers. Um, all great movies. Yeah, all all great movies. <laughs> it's just Morbin time. Uh, their, their first one they wrote together was Dracula Untold and then they went to The Last Witch Hunter. But it seems like, hey, Vin, we want to take your, you know, your D&D character and put him in a movie. And I feel like that's what happened because The Last Witch Hunter as the first you know five or ten minutes go you see 800 years prior to present day where this long-haired long-bearded vin diesel is fighting witches um and they it's like it, john wick of the fantasy world right he, he is so we're going to get into how much john wick and constantine this last witch hunter is because oh my god it's so it so is um and they're fighting the witches and these witches look very scary. They're almost like deadites from evil dead. And they, he kills the evil witch, like the main evil witch and puts her away forever. But she curses him right before she dies for eternal long life, like everlasting life, which is, is that a curse? That would be awesome. I feel like maybe talk to Robin Williams about bicentennial man. He'll feel differently, but eat, eat, eat shit and, and live. live. <laughs> <laughs> yes eat shit and live that's exactly that's what she should have said um and so we wake up you know present day on an airplane and we get to see vin diesel in his normal usual iconic look finding a witch taking the elements out of it and he comes down to earth and uh, from the airplane uh and Michael Caine's there. Michael Caine is his Shia LaBeouf to Keanu Reeves and Constantine. <laughs> um, he He's there to help him. He's a human. He helps Vin Diesel uh, go through life and help find witches. And he's, um, he's the 36th Dolan, which was what they're called. Like they're like the second in command. Um, and he dies suddenly wait, wait oh. so like of of his like he's like the 36th servant of his of his yeah because he's been around 800 years he's had 36 mm. of them so kind of like let the right one in like yes having, yeah. yes very much so oh, good analogies there um so you have michael kane he wants to retire he ends up dead right after he retires and in steps in frodo Elijah Wood, who's very timid, he's almost like a Michael Sarah type of character from Arrested Development. He's very timid and shy, um, and he's going to help out. And then you realize that, oh my God, Michael Caine didn't die of natural causes after he retired from working with Vin Diesel. He was murdered, and 
there is a new witch that's trying to take over the world and the city and everything. And now how Vin Diesel must go about this is kind of a video game quest thing where he goes to this bar, very similar to Constantine, where there's lots of magic, there's witches, there's creatures, and he meets Egret from um from Game of Thrones. Uh Jon Snow's main squeeze in those first early seasons. Uh, and she is a witch that helps him see the dream and helps him see like what he needs to do. And from there, he's out to destroy witches and all of this stuff. And that's kind of where the movie is, uh, take shape. And I must say when I first watched this in the theater as a critic, I feel like at the time it was 2015. So it was kind of early on in the career and I was just out to fucking destroy shit. And I probably destroyed this movie in my review because various reasons coming back to it. Damn, this movie's pretty good. I will say that it's flaw is that it constantly goes back in time where Vin Diesel has to watch what's happening it does that way too much. If it just kept it simple and him finding witches like Constantine did and finding like those creatures and getting to the end game of it, it would have been way better. But this movie, it's got horror, it's got scares, it's got pretty decent action sequences. And Vin Diesel seems like he's having fun here. He's, even though he's a lot of the times very wooden fence, like very stale, he has this charm in this movie where like Keanu Reeves oozes fucking charm and wit, even in Constantine. Like he does. I think Vin Diesel tries to do that the same way Keanu did in Constantine with this movie, but doesn't bring it up as well as Keanu does. But the last witch hunter is just, it, it's they do, they do such a good job with it. Um, and like the cinematography in this movie is damn good. Like it looks amazing because you have the guy who did like Mad Max 2 and Thunderdome, uh, Dances with Wolves, Young Guns 2, City Slickers, the 1993 Super Mario Brothers, which we'll talk about on the show. He did Last Action Hero, Water Worlds, Bruce Almighty, like Apocalypto, uh, one of the best looking movies ever. Uh, he did this movie, and I think it looks amazing. And there's some pretty cool cast of characters. Like I said, Elijah Wood, Michael Caine, um, Rose Leslie, who's Egret from Game of Thrones. Uh, it's it's a pretty good it's a good film, uh, given what it did because this movie cost between seventy and ninety million dollars. And actually, I think during production, it had a much smaller budget. And then I think being the son of the CEO of Disney, he got way more. But then the movie made maybe 50 million more than it uh, cost, which successful kind of. But everybody hated it, and including me when I saw it. And I will say that this movie deserves a second look because, oh, boy. There's some good stuff in this movie. And again, we're going we're gonna to keep this theme going. Vin Diesel, a couple years ago, on his Facebook page, said 
he is doing another one of these movies. He is doing a sequel to this film. And I'm like, wait, are you just saying that for every one of your movies? Like, because if that's true, I want this to happen. And there's a pro wrestling, uh, there's a pro wrestling conduit in this movie. Kurt Angle, one of my favorite pro wrestlers of all time is in this movie as a bodyguard. Uh, but yeah, do you, does any of you remember the last witch hunter? All I remember is hating it. That's it. No, I, revisit it. I I only remember it because um, it got really big during Game of Thrones because Egret was in it. Okay, I understand. Yeah. I understand Vin Diesel was the star, but I real I loved Game of Thrones, and I remember that they were really promoting it that way. That look, she's in a movie now, and that sort of stuff. So that's really, um, but the subject matter and everything appeals to me. I'm no, not a fan it, of witches. I like swords and crazy histories. Right. And I think like a lot of the the horror element of the witches are done so well. I think his main fight with the main witch at the end is so bad. It's like he it's like He-Man power Grayskull. He lifts his sword in the air and lightning hits it. And then it's just like that ends it. Um, but like there's a I don't remember. Do y'all remember the big twist in this movie? No. I don't want to spoil it, then I y'all should rewatch it. <laughs> I don't know if I will, just because I like I've the show The it. Witcher. And okay. The, and The Witcher does all of what you're saying, accomplishes that fairly well, and I actually enjoy that show. So now... I'm not going to spoil it for you, because, Dan, I want you to watch this movie and come back and do something, because I think you actually really will like it. There is a big twist in this movie uh, that I remember in watching it, during the press screening, I was like, wait, I didn't see that coming. That was cool. You know, you. All you, right, it's coming back to me. Yeah, don't say anything. I want, we want Dan to go in blind to this. <laughs> but I'm pretty if sure. I guess you... it, if I guess it, will you? Yeah, I'll say it. it. Guess it. Yeah. Um, Michael Caine is actually a witch. No. Because <laughs> Michael Caine throughout a lot of the movie is like kind of dead. that happens in the first five minutes of the movie but uh yeah i think i think you'll like it uh (laughs) um vin diesel in this movie i don't know what it is but i think that's what happened i think these writers were like we got to put your DD character in a movie and i mean it did okay um, and the the composer of this movie was Steve Jablonski, which went on to do tons of stuff, you know, from this. Like Steve Jablonski is known for like the Transformers movies, you know, like he did he did those like he, he was the main composer for all of those films. He uh, did DC League of Super Pecs. He did Bloodshot. <laughs> oh my goodness it's so good uh steve jablonski works a lot with michael bay but um if this is a blind spot in your vin diesel uh mirror dan you should tech you should totally check this out because it's available to rent and buy it's on my voodoo uh it's 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 so, worth you, so we can out. get your password and we can yes you can watch you should you should you should check it out because it's a you know it's an hour and 40 minute long movie and us being horror aficionados here they really do drive that horror element home and i really think like even in those first 10 minutes you're like damn this, what what did i not see in this movie and you go through the film and you're like okay there's things that could have been done better but breck eisner 
the dude who did the crazies, like I can't imagine being the son of the Disney of C or the CEO of Disney. Like, can you? And yeah. I imagine that's how he got Sahara. Like that I, was going to be the biggest action movie ever. Right. I can imagine that I'd have a lot less stress and be a lot happier doing a bunch of random things anytime I want it. If my dad was part of Disney. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's kind of what you would want to hear or want to do. But The Last Witch Hunter, I would say, man, I think I might have given that like a one out of five, maybe a 0.5 out of five. Man, that's like a solid three and a half, four out of five for me right now. Because, man, that movie, it was released at the wrong. It was released in 2018. Or not, not 2018. It was released in... um uh, 2015 and so that was almost 10 years ago i almost want you to humor me and pull up your old review to see if there's some fun lines in there you're talking about let let me see if it's still in there so i'm pulling up mine right now (laughs) uh where do i have it oh no i only wrote like a I did. I did interviews with elijah wood yeah i remember when they came to town yeah they came to town i remember that and then i wrote some article about uh not oh. not directly about the movie though. here here it is I, I i found it oh my god oh my god oh my god why are we doing this okay I, yeah i found mine too I said the common theme you'll notice with both the last witch hunter and paranormal activity the ghost dimension is you go in with low expectations this is the sixth film okay i'll get into the last witcher um for so I'm, I, I did like a pairing of those two films together. Um, for both films, they shockingly set up something interesting and compelling. The Last Witch Hunter takes on this serious tone within the first 20 minutes that has you going, hmm, maybe this will actually be worth my time. While the ghost dimension establishes a stupid comedy that actually works if you ignore the sloppy acting. <clears throat> when it comes to genre films like this, it's important to check your critic cap at the door. You know, going in that it's going to have problems, whether it's logistics or things that flat out insult your intelligence. And let me say, there's a lot of that going around in both these features. Although as expected, what starts off not too bad ends up poorly for both. The Last Witch Hunter has twists and turns along the way in terms of story and character, yet audiences can spot them a mile away. So while it ends the way it does and goes where it does, it's still a film you can stick on in the background on a rainy day like today when it hits on demand. Uh, And that's all I wrote. I didn't write anything to... Interesting. I it was gonna be real funny and like I write with like some of the Transformers movies. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wrote stuff similar. I said something like, uh I, I think I probably took that more diplomatic way about a uh, go way of going about it because we interviewed those people. Right. Yeah, there you go. You were being more diplomatic. Uh with a budget of $90 million, you'll be puzzled to see where all the money went after watching this awkward and slow-paced movie. Director Breck Eisner tries to weave a horror movie with some action set pieces, but the dialogue and script is fair at best. And besides the first five minutes of the film, in the last ten minutes, nothing happens. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Um Nothing plays out as it should, but is more or less a vehicle for for Diesel to handle swords that are on fire and fight monsters, or in this case, witches. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. I enjoy seeing Vin Diesel and Elijah Wood perform here, but 
Every movement and piece of dialogue comes across as awkward and forced. It's it's difficult to watch. Uh, <laughs> Last Witch Hunter is not the horror, nor is it the witch movie we deserve. Perhaps when the film is on Netflix and there's nothing else going on, give it a watch. Otherwise, skip it altogether. I mean, there's other stuff in there, but uh, it, I guess like, I mean, there is awkward. But I think the awkwardness comes from Elijah Wood and Vin Diesel because... You know, even in Lord of the Rings, there's like awkward moments with Elijah Wood, like the very slow, painfully lines he delivers sometimes. There's they they kind of give awkward deliveries a lot. And with them two in the same scene in the movie through the whole film, it just it's like, oh my God, this is awkward as fuck. Um and coming back to this review, I totally take back the horror elements and some of the visual effects that I was talking about because damn, they were fun to watch and good. It's like, what was I thinking? I think I was coming from a place of like, we need just hardcore carnage, evil, dead stuff. I don't know. And coming back to this, this was good. Does it make you want to watch it again, Preston? I mean, I'm curious, especially when you piqued my interest when you were talking about, uh, what's his name, uh, Dean Samier doing the cinematography. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm curious on on that level and maybe checking out some of these horror, these horror elements, but maybe it'll still just kind of be the same thing that I felt at the time when it comes to like character interactions and things like that, that maybe I'll, I'll be more pleased with the aesthetics and some of the themes and twists and things like that, but not so much like the character camaraderie. Right. Right. All right. So Dan, does it make you want to see the movie at all? Yes. I would like to check it out. I like everyone in the cast. I like Michael Caine. I enjoy certain Vin Diesel. I, things i like elijah wood so yeah i would definitely check it out check check it out and it's and like john wick that builds a world <laughs> with its assassins this builds a very similar world with witches and everything like that <laughs> because they have underground clubs and bars and hotels and all of this kind of thing going with it and that is a there very it's very john wick with it and it's very constantine as well too you know Keanu Reeves movies it's kind of like Vin Diesel wants to be Keanu Reeves but we'll never get there <laughs> before before we wrap this up I want to ask you guys a question I was looking at Vin Diesel's IMDB in the box office and everything I know that in Saving Private Ryan or um, even A Man Apart or Find Me Guilty that he showed a little bit of range where you're like okay he's got something going on but here are just his last um, one, two, three, four, like his last 10 movies. Dom Toretto, Groot, Groot, Dom Toretto, Bloodshot, Groot, Groot, Baby Groot, Dom Toretto, Xander Cage. Yeah. I mean, he's is he, he a good actor. Can he open a movie on his own or has he just hit the jackpot of realizing, attaching himself to these giant IP sequel machines is the best use of his talents well triple x was his movie and that kind of set up the stage i mean technically ice cube did triple x2 and not him but he came back for triple x3 right. um but the other ones i mean he's part of the uh, marvel he's part of fast and furious yeah bloodshot is part of the dc you know he's inserting himself into these big ips and why not why would you not he's 
because his movies, it's, it's making you bankable in the business. It's like Vin Diesel on paper is like he's in these movies and these movies make a billion dollars. Like they do each one of them almost. And maybe that's him to give producer cred so he can make more money and do what he wants, but he's not doing that yet. Like he's still coming back to all of his other movies and maybe that's where he is right now. Like maybe, I mean, you hope that someone like Vin Diesel will go back to something like boiler room or what Harry or like uh, Daniel Radcliffe did after Harry Potter. He's making amazing, weird, crazy movies or Robert Pattinson um, or Elijah Wood or Elijah Wood. Chances too. Yeah, he's he's big in the horror indie world, I, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not I, it's just one of those things where I'm looking at his career, and we're on fear and loathing to talk about bad movies, and obviously some of the sequels here and there can be bad, but almost all of his solo efforts, where he's the headliner, are all rotten below like thirty percent, and while they've made some money, I think it's just a really interesting career that, like you said, oh. It's the guy from Fast and Furious, and now he's fighting witches. It triples its budget. Well, that's what that's what what it is. Yeah, that's that's how it goes. Because he he, so I've always said. I think he's trying to be more like Tom Cruise. Maybe maybe so. Um, And I'm I've said this for years: is like the worst actors get paid the most money. Vin Diesel, The Rock, and Mark Wahlberg. They're not great actors, but every movie they're in, they put butts in seats. That's right. why Meryl Streep is not getting paid $30 million a movie. That's why Tom Hanks is not getting paid $30 million a movie. They're getting paid a third of that. They're way better actors, That's, but they're not putting butts in seats, you know? They're that not. goes back to my favorite quote was Kate Blanchett when she was in Thor Ragnarok, and they were like so what made you decide to do a Marvel movie or whatnot? She goes, well, I wanted to make some money and make the movie that my kids will actually see. Yeah. <laughs> and right? I was like, it just made me laugh. She was like, oh, you make money and your children will actually be excited. Sorry they don't get up. Sorry the kids on the school is like, your mom was in Tar? Your mom was Lydia Tar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was with Lydia Tar. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically that. And Vin Diesel... He has this persona like The Rock now has this persona that he has to keep up because when The Rock started out, you know, he was doing silly movies. He was silly characters. And now he's he has he's basically the same character in every movie. He's just fighting a monster. He's fighting a plane. He's, you know, whatever. I think his best movies. I do, too. They're fun popcorn movies. I do like The Rock. Uh, I think his best film is still Snitch. Like That was The Rock without being The Rock whatsoever. Um, It was just him trying to help his drug-addicted kid, and I like that in him, but that's not where he is right now in his career, and you hope that Vin Diesel, you know, he still balls deep in the Marvel and DC and Fast and Furious franchise and Triple X, and you're like, Maybe 10 years from now, he will he'll be a little older and maybe he'll start doing other things or who knows. But he there's something about him that everybody likes, you know? Yeah, that's all I was. It was he's just had a very interesting career. He has. He has. For how famous and how much money he is, he's with the exception of the most recent Fast and Furious movies. He is second fiddle or just part of an ensemble. Right. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Right. He's the one that brings it all together, the family. So um, I really hope that 
so now that Fast and Furious, this this new trilogy that it's supposed to be with Fast 10, 11, 10, 10 11, 11, and 12, 12, I really hope that the last one is called Fast Triple X. And then that's that's what I need. I would be interested in it because at this point he's reached like a level of ridiculousness that like everybody's talking about like, uh, you know, we need more space stuff. We need like the Jurassic World dinosaurs mixed in with the Fast and Furious franchise. I think if he set up where like there were crossovers and there was like this Ocean's 12 type of thing going on here with like other characters of his popping up in his movies uh, with like they go, they go back in time to do dinosaurs or the multiverse of Fast and Furious. I'm telling you, like it's there. Yeah, like take that um, sci-fi channel level of craziness and put it put it in the mainstream pocket. And it's really easy to do. Like, let's say you bring in Xander Cage into. I mean, you just need one line of dialogue. You're like, wait, Toretto had a long lost identical twin brother. Yeah, who yeah. has been like a secret CIA agent forever, and now you get two Vin Diesels for the price of one. Like, and a like fast- just, yeah, just like end <laughs> end this eleventh uh, one with be like, hey Dom come over here and enjoy our barbecue or whatever. And he's like, I'm not Dom. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) name's Xander. Yeah. (laughs) What? What? Yeah. I mean, you just in night Shyamalan this. I, Hey, it's, you just need the one line of dialogue. It's all it takes. You need like the long lost twin brother. That was given away at birth. Yeah. Are y'all ready to go to the Xander zone? (laughs) <laughs> guys, I, guys, I don't want to. I don't want to rain on your parade as the Fast and Furious historian here. But they've already done two lost brothers <laughs> and a lost mother. And... They've done. It's the same plot line with the villains. Like, yeah. Just, so come Wait on, a minute. John Cena is your brother, and we're gonna do fifteen minutes of flashbacks to show how you guys got in one fight when you were like eighteen years old and were never friends or talked about each other ever again. Well, and because gonna, and then yeah. they're gonna do a, a back uh, a flashback. To those same sequences, and be like, actually, there was a third brother. brother yeah, I'm telling you, that's all you need. That's how easy it is. They retconned their best movie, Fast Five and Fast Ten, like the opening to add in um, Jason Momoa as oh, really? the son of the villain in Fast Five. Oh yeah, but like yeah. Fast Five, that chase scene through the with the, pulling the, the vault, vaults. It's, it's awesome. It's unassailable. It's so cool. And in this one, they like randomly, you can just tell Jason Momoa is on a green screen and they're just inserting him, like driving alongside, like, we gotta get our money back. I'm <laughs> just like, dad. <laughs> uh, so I'm so excited about that. And like, you, you could do that with anything with Fast and Furious. And it feels like he's do. he might be doing that. We don't know. But like, even Iron Giant, maybe Toretto is building like a robot and it will be Iron oh. Giant. Like, who knows? It will be crazy. I would also like to see uh, Don Toretto go on like a forgiveness tour where he's just like, you know what? I've pissed off a lot of people. And be like, he's just checking all his boxes and be like, hey, I know I was in this country at this time and we did damage. Can we shake hands? Can we be all right? That would be the TV show. My name is Earl, but my name is Toretto. (laughs) You guys remember that Kurt Russell was randomly in Kurt Russell and Scott Eastwood. Mr. Nobody. Yeah, Mr. Nobody. Yeah, as Mr. Nobody. And at one point he was like, you've done a lot of damage, Don, destroyed a lot of cities. And it was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, it's crazy. Clean that up. 
Oh, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's so good. So yes, Vin Diesel, that is what we're doing here. Vin Diesel, this was, we had the Chronicles of Riddick. We had the Pacifier and the Last Witch Hunter. That's kind of what we're doing. That's uh, That was our show today on May 23rd, 2023. 23-23. Uh, you know, there, there, there's, a, there's a reason for that. Uh, we are... Fear and Loathing in Cinema podcast. Find Dan Moran. He runs our Instagram. He was tagging Vin Diesel's nipples today, which we're all very excited about. Uh, he's, just, he's, he's doing well. Find him there. Find his reviews on Boomstick Comics. He's doing great. Uh, and Preston Barta, find him at the Denton Record Chronicle, writing all those reviews. Find him at freshfiction.tv he's writing all those reviews and he has even more amazing interviews coming out in the next week um and you can find him at instagram at blu-ray dad twitter at preston barta and on youtube all of his interviews and you will find very soon an interview preston and i did together with an actor from Dazed and Confused, a main actor from Dazed and Confused, uh, coming out very soon. And be sure to check us out on My Bloody Podcast. I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at highdefdigest.com. You can find me at boomstickcomics.com and find me at Brian Kluger at Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We love you and we'll see you next week. And please watch Vin Diesel. He's going somewhere.